All right. Welcome to another episode of Team Rhino Outdoors Musky Fishing Podcast. On this podcast, as we've told you before, we're breaking it down with one bait for one manufacturer per episode. These are shorter episodes than what you would see on our Backlash podcast. And if you want, go check out that podcast as well. We co-host that one with the co-owners of Musky Mayhem Tackle. And ironically, this week we have Carrie from Musky Mayhem Tackle. No Brad, just Carrie. Carrie's the one who really is the originator of the big bladed flashaboo bucktails that Musky Mayhem Tackle is known for. Brad helped bring it along in the process, but it was really Carrie's dream, I guess, or imagination that came up with this, especially with the idea of using uh, flashaboo on a bucktail because that wasn't typically something that we found in the musky world. So anyways, we want to thank you all for listening to episode number three. We have two other episodes. If you just joining us now, go back and check it out. We talked about bulldogs and we talked about the barbarian. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and I think there's probably a couple other ones out there. Anyways, so if you can, tell a friend, looking for more, getting the audience growing, and if you wanted to mention this to a friend, if you like what we're doing here, that'd be great. Also, if you like what we're doing here and you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and rate us and review us, and and uh, we really appreciate it. It helps grow the show. by um, If we get you know, a good rating on iTunes, they help push it out to a few more people that are, are searching for musky related content of course nowadays there's plenty of musky related podcasts out there and that's why we thank you so much for listening to this one a little bit about team rhino outdoors we're a retailer in the musky world and we carry a ton of custom stuff if you're looking for a great selection of musky mayhem tackle products that we're going to talk about with carrie on this show you can find those there along with a umpteen number of different items that we carry on our on our website so you can find all that at www.teamrhinooutdoors.com so anyways, I got nothing else to add to this intro for today. I want to thank you all for coming back and listening, and we're going to go talk to Carrie from Muskie Mayhem Tackle. All right, my guest today is Carrie Hoppy, who is with Muskie Mayhem Tackle. She's also with me on the Backlash podcast that we do every Wednesday, and typically Carrie's used to being on the other side, talking to the guests, asking questions, but today she's my guest. I get to ask her questions. And we're going to talk a little bit about the cowgirl, kind of like the history of the cowgirl and how it got to the level that it's at right now and kind of how it changed, uh, you know, much like the bulldog changed the course of musky history a little bit. I would say the cowgirl definitely did that as well. Not only from, you know, like the gear that we use, but just, uh, I mean, the explosion of bucktails on the market after that one came out. So Carrie, much like I thank you for coming and helping me with the Backlash podcast, I thank you for coming on and helping me with this one today. How are you doing? I'm good, Jeff. I'm good. Getting a few things caught up around here since it's kind of kind of our slow time of year now. So, yeah, it's certainly getting there for most of us. So, Carrie, no panfish talk today, all right? For anybody that listens to us on Backlash, Carrie loves to talk panfish, and we're not going that direction since I'm in charge and Brad's not here to help facilitate panfish talk. <laughs> we're just going to go straight to muskies. I, I just want you to know I have made bucktails for panfish too, Jeff. Well, They're I in my, my own tackle box, but I've hmm. done it. So how tiny are those blades then? Oh, wait, we're going, <laughs> we're going down the panfish route. This isn't where this is supposed to go. <laughs> They're pretty tiny. I can imagine. But you wanted to talk about you wanted to talk about big blades. Yeah, big blades, revolutionary type big blades. Specifically, number ten blades. 
I mean, that's what I would think we would talk about on this one. I know, you know, with the focus on this podcast, it's basically one bait at a time, and we're talking literally just about the baits. That way it's not necessarily so regional as far as tactics. Everybody can use this bait no matter where they fish. It doesn't matter if they're in the south or if in the north or Canada or wherever, and I'm sure we've even shipped them overseas. So pretty much anybody can listen to this podcast and get some information out of that bait. So, yes, let's talk double tens today. What what made you decide that you were going to go with a tinsel skirt or a flash skirt, considering like that was something that wasn't very common in the uh, bucktail markets, hence the reason they're called bucktails? Honestly, I'm a sucker for sparkle. Uh, we The flash was used a lot in the fly industry. If anybody's a fly fisherman, you'll see, you know, probably not to the extent that I've used it, but its accents for lots of different fly stuff like that. So we went into the fly angler in the cities one day and I saw that flash blue and being a sucker for sparkle, I'm like, Ooh, we need to try this. That in my thought process is if you ever look at like a school of bait fish, whether they're little tiny minnows or even look at a hold on to a shiner one day, they're not like a solid color. They're very iridescent. They are kind of sparkly in their own way. So I thought it would be a good re- representation to kind of match the hatch. And then, you know, when you when you saw this stuff, this flashaboo, did you think right away double tens or like what was your, I mean, what was your plan going into it? And when you walked in and you saw the stuff, did you th- immediately think, yeah, I need to start building bucktails out of this? Or like how did the whole, like, how'd the whole thing come together? I, I had already been playing with, with Bucktails prior to finding the Flashaboo. I built some hair Bucktails and some Marabou Bucktails, and then we saw the Flashaboo, and it was, it just kind of tripped my trigger, you know? And then when it came to the 10, that was kind of a fluke, honestly. We had gone into Thorn Brothers, picked up a box of clearance blades that they had for dirt cheap, and in this box were those 10. And if, if you remember, I don't know, Jeff, do you remember the big giant cowgirl with the cowbell blade? I do. I do remember that. Yep. Okay. So a friend of ours, Brad told me I couldn't build a bucktail that you control. So I built a bucktail that you control. And Rick started casting it. Well, I didn't have a, the rod that I had. I had a custom rod that there's no way you would have been able to throw that big heavy bucktail, nor did I really want to. But it had that big giant blade on it. So what what I ended up doing was downsizing to the size of the cowgirl that it that, that the cowgirl is now. And because I didn't have didn't want to put two of those big giant cowbell blades on there, I ended up finding those pens in that box and just putting two of those on there because we had had a lot of luck, honestly, on Shumway Flashers. And it was two blades, so I went, well, let's do two big blades and try that. And and then it just snowballed from there. Well, because I think a lot of the credit comes from you guys with the big double-bladed, but I think it's actually more about the Flashaboo than it is the double blades. Is that right? Because, I mean, you know, back in the day, these d- big double tens, they were available. They just weren't as mainstream as what you guys eventually brought it out to be. Is that right? Yeah, they were available. Um, cause I mean, that's how we stumbled across them. 
I, I suppose, Jeff, it's probably a combination of both the flashable being different and then the tens. They were available, but nobody, like, they weren't, like, mainstream like they are now, you know? And they probably were much, just like they were in the beginning when we brought them out, intimidating so people weren't going there. There's no sense to use a, that, a bait that big, you know? And then people started figuring out, well, baits that big catch catch a lot of fish. So, but I'm going to say it's probably a combination of the blades and the and the flash move. Yeah, I would say you're you know, you're probably right. And like you said, I mean the the flash move is really what set everything apart and what really got everything rolling. So then, at yep. what at what point did you decide that you were going to start selling these? When you started to to build them right away, were you thinking? Yeah, I'm going to start a business out of this. And if you were, what was the what was the goal behind the business? Did you ever anticipate it getting to the level it's at now? I I did not. No, I did. I didn't even think that far. I literally was looking for something to support my habit. I I wanted. I honestly, I wanted to buy a brand new custom rod, a reel, and a new pair of costas, so that I could. I just wanted it to support my habit. Uh, Brad, on the other hand, he had much bigger, much bigger dreams on that, which in hindsight worked out wonderfully. Yeah. I mean, it certainly definitely seems like it. I think you can probably do a little bit better than that, uh, that combo that you were looking to, to put together. You know what? I have honestly, I still have not gotten uh, a custom rod like I wanted. It's been 15 years and I have just never... Never gone and got it. I did finally last year get a new pair of sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> so Brad gets all the new boats. He gets to do all the fishing. You get to build all the baits and you still haven't gotten what you actually set out for with this whole business. Is that right? Yeah, not fun. Yeah, but I, it's not like I've been whining for it all the time either. You know, it's like I just kind of lost track of that. And what I got works and I, I don't. I don't fish that much. Not like I, not like before we built base. I fish enough to want to have good stuff, but the stuff that I have works just fine. So let's talk a little bit about that. When you, you know, when you first started out with the business, did you, did you just quit your job right away or did you continue to work? How did that all come together? When we first started, I worked for a sign company in town here. And I, we first started we bought Eagle Tail in, or officially got Eagle Tail July 1st, and by, I worked at my real job until about November 1st, and by then I was tying bucktails in my sleep, and I be- could barely remember my own name, and that, that's when I was done with my, with my real job. I made it, what is that, July, August, September, October, November, no, about four four or five months maybe. And then I was done. And then I, I've only built bucktail since then. And then how about Brad? I'm assuming he was, he was still working at the same time. I'm, I'm imagining you both didn't jump in, you know, full, you know, both feet and say, all right, we're bucktail builders now. I'd imagine it was kind of a slow transition for him as well or not. Yeah, he was a little slower. He worked his real job and then he was guiding in the summertime for probably two, two and a half more years or something like that. And then he was to the point where he had enough guide trips in the summertime and the, and the tackle business was good enough in the wintertime that he either had to quit guiding and stay with his real job or quit his real job and 
just died and he chose to do that then that was probably two and a half years later so carrie you guys obviously do a bunch of the musky shows obviously this year so far we're going to be cut a little bit short can you yep. you want to you want to talk about maybe one of the first shows you've been to because i remember the craze over it you want to talk a little bit about how crazy it was going through that that first maybe first couple of show seasons uh the very first show season that we did was kind of like a test run for us for all the retailers um raleigh and helens had taken like the original show girls and the original cowgirls the big ones already but we worked a show in chicago we worked this chicago show back at harper in the thorn brothers booth years ago and the deal was if we could sell 100 baits at the show they would put us in the shop so brad and i stood there and we we hustled and if i would have had a dollar for every time i heard christmas tree ornaments i wouldn't even have to sell bucktails but we managed to sell like 110 at that show and we got we got them in there and then i'm assuming you're wondering about after we really got going yeah i would say let's talk a little bit about after you really got going i mean it's good to hear the story about you guys having a hustle in the thorn brothers booth because i don't know if i knew that story and i've talked to you guys obviously a bunch yeah. but i don't we, know we had to, we had to actually that was the deal we had to sell 100 100 baits and and we through the weekend at the show and they put them in the store and we we managed at like 110 and it was kind of game on from then, but the first couple of years, show season wise, were were insane. Like my poor brother, he wouldn't—he was tied customs, just like he does now. He wouldn't even get time to eat. We'd be swamped. I remember, you know, coming up to your booth. It was like you said, Harper College days, and if you wanted a custom color, because you guys always built them right there, as you still do at all these shows, is. You'd go up there and you'd write your list down, or, you know, write your name down or whatever, and what colors you all wanted, and you'd have to come back like, whatever, an hour and a half I'm, later to pick them hour up. Hour and a half later, yeah, to yep. pick them up, yeah. Those first couple of years, I think the worst we probably ever got was maybe two hours pushed out. We we would try and keep them, and it's all a matter of how fast Kevin can get it get it tied, and or how many interruptions. You know, we'd we typically have two people back there building base. And as long as he could keep going, we'd keep going, you know? So one of the misconceptions that you get sometimes in the musky world is people think that you got, that all these businesses are really big. Clearly that's not the case with you. I mean, why don't you talk a little bit about the makeup of the company itself and where these baits are made? Uh, they're literally made in, in the shop that's right next to my house. It's me and Brad. And then we have one lady that does piece work. She's a neighbor lady of, of ours. And then in the summertime, Brad's mom and dad uh, come back and they've Brad's dad's a bait building machine. And then uh, my mom and my brother do all, all the tying of Flashaboo. And I still end up tying some Flashaboo and I tie some Maribou and I tie some hair, depending on what needs to be, be done. I don't, I don't tie a ton anymore, but every once in a while, I get to. I was tying Marabou earlier today, actually. I know how much you love doing that. I know I know how much you like tying eagle tails, too. <laughs> I've tied thousands of them. I know. Typically, those things show up missing on my order because you're like, I just didn't want to tie them today. <laughs> uh, so most of the time, it's because I just didn't get time. And, and our goal is to get everything out of the door as soon as possible. And sometimes those those are much more time consuming 
And so, yeah, they, they do get left every once in a while. I get them eventually. Absolutely. So, Carrie, I guess before we end this one, if you can give somebody, you know, like one reason why they should put a cowgirl in their tackle box, what's the reason they got to have a cowgirl in their tackle box? Because they catch big fish. You know, it's funny because I was thinking that I was thinking about that question in my head and I knew that was the answer that you were going to say. And I don't know how I knew it because it's not like we pre-recorded any of that. I was thinking she's going to say because they catch big fish. I knew that's where it was going. That's because you just have podcasted with me too many times. You know what I'm going to do. I mean, that, that could be it. But I don't know that we've ever gotten you to have a 15 minute long conversation on the podcast, even though with the fan club and everything else that you got going on with that podcast, we still haven't gotten you to talk that long. And that's why I said that we got to do this one, just you and me, no Brad, because people, you know, Brad's kind of like the face of the franchise in a sense, but people need to know that you were the one that put the cowgirl on the map. It was not Brad. It was you. And if people listen to the Backlash podcast, they should also know it's you that does the work and it's definitely not Brad. Unlike his dad, who's a bait-building machine, I don't think Brad is. No, but Brad, Brad does other things. Yeah, we tease him that he doesn't do anything all the time, but he, he does do a lot. And he, he brings a lot to the table um, well, on the marketing side of it, actually. You know, the video stuff, and somebody's got to go catch fish, too, you know, to, to prove to people that the baits actually work, and that's his part. And he likes to be on camera. I hate to be on camera. The last thing I want to do when I finally get to go fishing is have to wait for a camera. So it, it works out. It's, it's kind of, we have a good, we have a good trade-off, honestly. Yeah, I understand. Like, totally get it. I I was actually just more or less giving Brad a hard time. Hopefully he listens to the oh, episode yeah. and he he understands that. I don't mean to disrespect for Brad. He's, like you said, he does things different, you know, but it's good to have that yin and yang. It's the same thing with my wife and I yeah. running the Team Rhino Outdoors thing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm gone sometimes and she's at home handling everything because much like, you know, much like Brad, I'm the one out there filming some stuff for the YouTube and doing the promotional end of stuff. And that's just not something that she does. Right. And that's, that's me too. And we know, but yeah, we're still going to give him static about him not, not working. Oh, absolutely. There's no way I'm going <laughs> to let that opportunity go away. So, well, hopefully we get Brad back on, or if you want to talk about it, I know you guys have a few new products coming up. We just released one in, in September, the seven, uh, nine trigger. We would like to do an episode on that. I know there's also a new one coming up here pretty soon and we want to do an yep. episode with that too. So I'm sure we'll have you back on or have Brad back on. Whoever wants to talk to, to us about those, those products. I still don't, I want to spotlight those products as well. So Carrie, you know, much like, uh, I thank you for coming out and helping us with the backlash podcast. I thank you for your time today. Like I said, these are a little bit shorter for people that are, you know, looking for a little bit of information on a, on a particular bait, a particular manufacturer. That's what we're doing here. But thanks again, Carrie. We'll, uh, We'll catch you um, sometime, I'm guessing, in the next week or so, probably on the next episode of Backlash. But now I hear that you're going hunting at the end of the week, so maybe you'll be missing on the next episode? I might be. You never know. Depends on when you do it. Yeah, I got the opportunity to go out west again, so I'm going to do that. Brad, Brad goes fishing. Carrie goes hunting. That's another trade-off that we have. That's that's what I get to do for... um, being stuck in the shop all summer so well you definitely earned it i know that for sure especially after this season it's been uh it's been trying it's been really good for a lot of us but it's also been uh it's it's really pushed us a lot yeah 
Yeah, and it's good to be part. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Carrie. We'll uh, we'll catch you on our other podcast and uh, whenever you're around. Like I said, if not, Brad and I'll handle it. We're, we're used to that. Sounds good. Yep. Thanks, Jeff. So there you have it, straight from Carrie's mouth on the start of the cowgirl and and why you should have one in your tackle box and what it brought to the table as far as musky fishing history. We want to thank you all for listening to this podcast. Again, if you if you like it, you know, give us a thumbs up on iTunes. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Tell a friend, you know, push out this podcast to a few people. We're going to continue to do this podcast every other Monday or potentially every Monday, depending upon how my schedule works out. But until then, I, again, we just want to thank you all for coming and listening to this podcast. And if you need products for your next musky fishing trip, be sure to check out Team Rhino Outdoors. www.teamrhinooutdoors.com is where you find us. And you're going to be hard-pressed to find a bigger selection of musky mayhem tackle products, as talked about in this episode, than what you'll find on our website. So thank you all again, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks.